Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. Well, tumble down it did, and it is time for In the Garden here on WDEV. It's brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By these flowers and garden shop, flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. And by Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Featuring top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PR Lumber on Route 15 in Wolcott. Family milled lumber for all your projects. Check out PR Lumber on Facebook. And by Guys Farm and Yard. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. There are five, four, maybe seven. No, there are. Or guys and yard location. I'll expand the business no end. There are four guys and uh, guys farm and yard stores to serve you throughout the area. Check them out. Guysfarmandyard.com. They've got the right information. I go to the one in Williston where they have the cat guarding the front door. And it's a lovely cat. Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They sponsor our podcast. Dandelionacres.com. Our telephone lines are open. Boy, lots to talk about gardening, don't you think, today? Uh, 802-244-1777. We'd love to hear from you. Here's a host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. I, I would be willing to bet that there are more than four guys at Guy's. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> Mr. Guy and his family. And probably a few gals, and too. Four locations. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go to the one in Montpelier, and they they have a, a couple of pets that roam around there too. The cat at the Williston store is right on a, a cat, you know, one of those oh. elevated yep. cat beds, yeah, right yeah. at the door. So, oh, you know, if absolutely. You, if yeah. you happen to be a four foot mouse, you're in trouble. And <laughs> I guarantee you, mouse. when you get any bags of grain from Guy's Farming Yard, no mice have been anywhere near them. <laughs> very formidable cat, and and a nice one too. We have somebody on the air. No, we don't. So I'll say goodbye to you. And, uh, Hello, goodbye. But, but do um, do give us a call at two four four. Yeah. So seven seven seven. You know, uh, a couple of shows ago, somebody asked about uh, Japanese beetles, mm-hmm. and I have uh, an interesting tale to tell because uh, my boss Eric um, had uh, a row of um, you know wild rose bushes. It was skirted along his driveway. And the Japanese beetles used to be uh, just absolutely decimate them. And uh, he ended up just cutting them all down, but then he planted regular cultured roses there 
in the Japanese Beatles uh, as well uh, came back. But he planted something that he called uh, garlic grass. And I assumed it was something like garlic chives or something like that. And he said, no, it's it's garlic grass. So um, Thursday, yeah, or it was either Thursday or Friday, I can't remember. He brought it in, and it looked just like uh, crabgrass, honestly, it just flat leaves and all the rest. And he said, crunch it up in your hands. So I rolled it up in the hands, and I'll be darned if it didn't smell like garlic. Yeah. And he said that absolutely got rid of the Japanese beetles. Yeah, yeah. And so, huh. you know, uh, I I haven't had a chance to, and haven't found what that actually is. But um, if somebody knows where to get garlic grass, which is just like a grass, um, otherwise I'll have to go take plugs from American. <laughs> I have not been plagued by Japanese beetles oh, no? in my backyard garden. Uh-huh. I have seen them all over the things I plant around my mailbox in the front <laughs> of the house. Yeah. But I do have garlic grass growing everywhere in the backyard. I oh, is think. that, yeah. you mean it's, it's, its leaf is flat like yeah, a piece yeah, of grass? Yeah. Oh, and I'll if you be roll done. around in your hand, it, uh, I never planted any. I just started, I just noticed it. And, and when you mow it, grow. it smells like garlic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be darned. Uh, This is, uh, you wouldn't think that after all these years anything would be new, but this is something I've never heard of before. I never made the association with Japanese beetles, but whereas other people (laughs) screaming and hollering, uh, I have not noticed them in the backyard. But uh, in the front yard, for some reason, anything Mm -hmm. I plant around my mailbox, Mm -hmm. but there's no garlic grass out there. I was going to say, it's time to plant a little, you know. Take a plug from the back and put it in the front. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of the uh, Japanese beetles. Uh, something about it, you know, uh, repels the grubs that live underground. And that's where the Japanese come, beetles come from is a, is a grub underground. Now you can get the, uh, what is that called? The powdery something. Um, 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 um the name is escaping me right now, but, huh? For what the uh, for for Japanese beetles oh. and you put it on your lawn, you know, uh, just before rain and and that supposedly uh, gets rid of them, gets rid of the Japanese beetles. Yeah, the ones in my around my mailbox, they they stack up in, in like eight or nine on top of one another. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 That's that's uh, I think how they propagate. Is that is that right? Is that we watch? Am I watching some kind of <laughs> Japanese beetle orgy? Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> You said it, not me. I didn't say it. <laughs> well, anyway, that's how they, they, um, uh, why well, there's so many of them, I guess. And, uh, I was looking up in, uh, in, uh, uh, you know, Ed's book to see if it, I could see any, any mention of the, uh, garlic grass, but, uh, he doesn't have it under there. And, uh, so I, I I have to keep looking for a little bit more of a. Uh, now, do the skunks eat the grubs of the Japanese beetle? I'm very you know, friendly to all animals, including skunks. I actually get a kick out of watching all the skunks run around in the backyard. <laughs> well, I I think you have your own little biology uh-huh. experiment there in your backyard. <laughs> you know what I have now? I, I'm not driving my convertible because I well got a kind of. Through a valve, 
<laughs> but living underneath it and probably in it at this point are yeah. bunny rabbits, and there are lots of little ones. And whenever I whenever I pull into the driveway, I say, "All these rabbits run underneath the, the convertible." <laughs> Well, uh, whether you blew a route or anything, uh, I, this hasn't really been the best convertible weather, no. I have to say. No, no. So you could have just said it's been too rainy to, to even think about. Well, the dog can't get her head underneath the convertible. It just gets, oh. just gets oh. to the... It's a good the, hiding place. So the buddies, uh, bunny rabbits, I'm sure, are just <laughs> sitting underneath there, no. sticking their tongues out at the beagle as he <laughs> goes through conniptions trying to get there, you know. Something about hounds and rabbits, that, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, natural antagonism. Now, my dog is just sort of like, uh, breakfast is served at, you know, in a yeah. half hour. She's, you know, she's more a friend. Uh, the squirrels come into the yard and just occasionally she'll get up and yap, you know. But mostly it's, uh, you know, she's uh, pretty friendly to all the, all of them. Now, another dog, that is another whole nother question, but anyway. Yeah. Um, let's see, that's my tale of garlic grass, and I'd really like to hear from anybody if they really know what that is or if they've used that or if that's been effective uh, for them. And I'm, you know, I've been thinking that probably, a, you know, like a garlic chives or something like that might You know, I, might I don't be. use a cell phone, but I might ask my neighbor uh-huh. who uh, loves these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, because everybody uses a cell phone, but the, the yeah. app that will listen to a bird call and tell yeah. you what bird it is, yeah. you know, and even take, if you get close enough to a bird to take a picture of it, it'll yeah. tell you what bird it is. Yeah. The same thing for plants and things, you know. Mm. If you get a good shot of a plant, so I'll have them come over yeah. and take a picture. Of, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, see if I can find email it to me. Find yeah. the app. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Or I, I may just ask Eric to to take a picture for me, and I can get it labeled anyway, other than garlic grass. But so anyway, that's uh, if anybody out there is still having problems with the Japanese beetles, then look around for some garlic grass and give that a try. Um, and I, uh, we went uh, down to see my son and his wife, um, oh, on a Friday, and uh, um, I had noticed on Thursday a little couple of blue moths, you know, flitting around my my high rise container, and I had put some kohlrabi in the bottom, you know. And sure enough, by the time I got back, they had already started to eat like half of the leaves Isn't from that. Yeah. It was so fast. It was like, oh, I'm, you know, I sort of saw them and thought, oh yeah, it's time to spray again. And I, I had sprayed the upper garden, but not, not the container, you know. So anyway, they, they came on in full force. And this was the, um, uh, you know, the uh, ruby red uh, kohlrabi, oh, you know, yeah. it has oh, a nice. Yeah. So when I looked under, rather than a green worm, it was sort of a, a reddish worm. Well, you eat bread and you eat the, the red kohlrabi. <laughs> you are what you eat, well, you right? Eat you know? <laughs> so anyway, I, I was kind of tickled to see that and I went around. If and you sc- are what you eat, I'm going to start looking like. Not Jerry, but Cherry Garcia. God, that stuff is good. <laughs> yeah, if I look like Jerry Garcia, you know, I mean, eating uh, Jerry. That's actually still think that's their best flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice one thing here. There, there was an article in the Times Argus about the uh, 
wild, not wild cherries, but the sour cherry season yeah. is in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're starting to come. I, it reminds me of the uh, ornamental cherries, which were sour cherries, because every now and then, uh, in front of the Burlington Library, yeah. years ago, they had a whole row of these beautiful cherry trees. Mm. Okay. Mm. And they were uh, either ornamental that you don't eat cherries or sour cherries. I mm. couldn't tell you which, because mm. I noticed people that would walk by and grab a cherry, eat it, and then spit it right out. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but what would happen is that the cherries would stay on the tree for the entire season mm. until they started to uh, ferment. Mm-hmm. And the birds, the swallows, <laughs> would eat them. And then, as you know, the one there's the, uh, the there's the original uh-huh. um, stone building. I'm trying to think of the uh, name of the architect or the yeah. benefactor who made these libraries all over the country. Yeah, with these beautiful stone and brick libraries, but then the addition to the library has got one entire wall is all glass. So the swallows would eat the cherries, get drunk, and do what what birds occasionally do with glass windows, fly into them. Oh. It, it wasn't pleasant at all. So oh, you can no. imagine sitting right there, you know, in a booth right at the glass window. Yeah, you yeah. know, a lot of students were studying there. And these birds go just committing, you know, Harry mm. Carey or whatever. Here I am thinking that we're all going to hang out in the tree and start singing together, yeah, you know. No. <laughs> well, you know what they did? They took all the trees out. There was the only oh, way to deal with really? it. All those beautiful trees. There was at least a dozen of them oh, in no. a row right up and down the, the street there. Yeah. And that was the only way to, uh, you know, to control that problem. <laughs> so, so that the sour cherries... Uh, uh, made me think of that, but it also raised the question: What are they good for? Sour cherries. Yeah. Can you make jelly jam? Or yeah, you can make them? a jam with them yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're um, they actually dry sweeter than they are fresh. Uh-huh. So you can dry them and use them sort of like you would a, a dried uh, cranberry. You know, cranberry is not a particularly delicious fruit, mm-hmm. but when you dry the cranberries, they're actually really good. If you, know, you, you ever try to find them. that Bob and Ray routine, the uh, cranberry salesman, did you? They, they, <laughs> I got, you know, Bob, the two great radio comedians. Anyway, yeah. one of the one of the the, the 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 plot was one of them stops at a farm stand, and it, it was a sign that said cranberries, mm-hmm. and he said, um, and the guy had little baskets of cranberries, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, oh, I'll take a couple of baskets. Uh, how are, um, how's business? He goes, oh, terrible, terrible. He says, and I said, why? He says, well, nobody seems to like them. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're just sour as the dickens. Yeah. And he go, and so the first guy says, well, ever think of making cranberry sauce? <laughs> and the cranberry grower says, you can make sauce out of these? <laughs> ever think of making cranberry bread? Really? You can make bread with cranberry? Ever think? And anyway, I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> he goes, no, I just put them in baskets like strawberries and sell the damn things, but nobody buys them. <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, the muffin I got over at Casey's mm-hmm. was a cranberry muffin and had dried cranberries all over the I top of it. I love dried cranberries. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that, uh, that would be a use of your sour cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you'd probably have to sprinkle a little sugar on it, to, like they do with the cranberries mostly, with the dried cranberries. 
The, well, I was uh, so sorry to see those beautiful trees go, but uh, I guess in the interest mm, of uh, mm. the wild, of course, swallows. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of blueberries, um, my son said that he was picking blueberries. Oh, our, yeah. Yes. So uh, we're we're uh, and my grandson is due up um, tomorrow. And so we'll be picking blueberries right off the bushes. Mm-hmm. He seems to love that. Well, uh, what kid wouldn't love it? And uh, it uh, looks like a banner year. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll probably hear from Forbes, if not on this program, on mm-hmm. one of our future ones. And yeah. Giving us, he's probably busy as the dickens oh, right probably, now. Oh, yeah. probably, yeah. Right up to his eyeballs and yeah. blueberries, yeah. yeah. But uh, every report that he gave us uh, up until now, was that things were looking like a banner year mm-hmm. and uh, so you know speaking of harvesting things the the um, right about this time the big leaves of uh, kale and collards and Swiss chard it's really a great time to start picking them and doing small batch freezing okay so you, you get a bowl and you break off all the bottom leaves of your collards your kale while they're still nice and green and uh, uh, you strip them off the stems, and then I just a quick dump into a boiling water and then into ice water. And then what we do is we we sort of ball them up, you know, with our hands and press them into an ice cube tray. You might still be able to get an ice cube tray somewhere, but anyway, we we push them into an ice cube tray and then put, and then freeze them. And then once they're all hard, you get these, you know, these little um, greensicles, you know, sort of these really nice uh, uh, ice cube, um, um, you know, uh, ice cubes of green leaves. And so once they're all frozen, I'll put them into a... Uh, into a bag and in the freezer, or you could put it in a freezer, freezer bag, and you get these, uh, these wonderful, um, um, you know, uh, green ice cubes that you can add. Well, we either add them to a soup or to, um, to our, uh, ramen when we cook ramen or any other kind of, uh, like a soba noodle or anything. And you throw them in there. They have to, the kale needs to cook for a little while, you know, even though it's been uh, blanched, you yeah. know, parboiled. It it's, takes a little bit to tenderize it. And the same with the collards, the collards. But the the Swiss chard, um, you know, they they cook very quickly like spinach would. I used to, um, you're speaking of ice cube trays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're very important in my life. Yeah. They, uh, what, I, what I do is... Um, what I used to do was uh, freeze uh, the actual pesto in ice cubes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, then come, you know, then come the winter when we make the, you know, which is when the kids were, you know, so we had a lot of lot of people around. So we have this big vat of soup going on. And so in every bowl of soup, anybody that wanted to throw a pesto ice cube in, oh. it would cool the soup down a little <laughs> bit, but also have that wonderful, explosively delicious Flavor that the pesto added to oh, it. Oh, fantastic! Know, from, yeah, from the ice cube as it melted. Yeah, and I also, uh, you know, a couple of times uh, a summer, 
uh, fill um, a couple of ice cube trays with coffee, with uh, strong coffee. Oh, yeah. And uh, whenever I make iced coffee and want to ice it even further, oh, use yeah. coffee ice cubes. Hey, there's a great idea. Uh, that, That's a that, good idea. That's funny. You know, I, I need caffeine to keep me I awake. I never with thought of that. Oh, it's what wonderful, a, yeah. Because I always hated putting ice in my... Even though I'd make it really strong, yeah. you know, it waters it down enough that and but, make when you the the pot of coffee that you use to make the ice cubes, yeah, make that strong. That's yeah, make it that, yeah, right. make that strong. So uh, that, uh, and for some reason, it also what a clever blows guy. the flavor out. Way know? to go! I, I like that. I could yeah. write that one down. The ice uh, coffee in ice. And I drink it black and everything. So uh, yeah. You know, so I don't. It it never gets cooled by adding cream or anything into it. I, <laughs> I think, well, it's, it's a radio thing. I mean, anybody that's worked it. Listen, Joe, gallons coffee gallons never stays coffee. around here long enough to cool down. <laughs> yeah, there's what the one word that there's no radio announcer knows what this word means. Yeah. Decaf. Oh, maybe. decaf. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, coffee in ice tray. Okay. All right. I will be giving that a try this week if it warms up nicely. Boy, I, you know, the rain, of course, has been quite the, uh, quite the thing not to mention. And, uh, God bless all those people helping out down in Montpelier and Barrie. I, uh, my, uh, my boss, he and his wife have worked for Al's, you know, on the weekends for years and years. And they called and said, Hey, we're, we're going to do a, um, we're going to bring a couple, a couple of concessions down to Montpelier to feed the workers. Yep. We have volunteer. This is Al's French fries. Al's French fries. Yeah. yeah. yeah Al's yeah, French we fries. The, we got the notice here. Oh, did well. you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, uh, Eric and Patty are going to go down and and uh, do their volunteer work. <laughs> yeah. Al's French fries yeah. closing at St. Albans and Milton locations in order to help Central Vermont flood victims. Yeah. For all this week, Isn't that Al's great? is setting up shop in Montpelier by the city hall yeah. and serving lunch to people affected by the floods. Meals will be Bless served uh, until Thursday of this coming week. Really? From 10.30 to 2.30. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, yeah, that is really something. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's uh, sometimes it just makes you just, you know, it humbles you because uh, people are just so helpful and really want to help out with people in need and all that stuff. It's great. I think we should take a break oh, yeah, okay. for uh, commercials, and all these people can help you with your current gardening situation. I realize that there are people that have lost a lot looking <laughs> oh, toward a second yeah. planting or mm-hmm. need to refurbish, do some, uh, oh, do good, some soil good tests. Good thought there. Second yeah, so planting. all these folks are there and there for us. So uh, uh, let's give them a mention. Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture. Plus, soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. 802-244-1777. If uh, 
you care to share with us here and let us know what your garden situation is over a, a very, very unusual and historic week for sure. Uh, what's happening this weekend, a lot of things, uh, you know, altered. But uh, Lamoille County Field Day is still running on. Uh, they were uh, hit uh, by the flooding in, in Johnson for sure. But the Lamoille County Field Days, even with a few slightly soggy fields, are going. The rides are going. And, uh, well, they're fried dough, candy apples, and corn dogs all set. So Lamoille County Field Day is on today, as uh, usual, as it goes through the weekend. And let us see. And today in Burlington, it is the final day of the Vermont Brewers Festival. Usually that is absolutely sold out. A few uh, tickets were left at last check. So uh, a ticket gets you entry to try all the beers you'd like. And I tell you what a deal that is, huh? <laughs> it, it does sound like quite the deal. Yep. I'd have to go to Guy's Farm and Yard and bar, buy a wheelbarrow and hire, hire somebody to take me home, in it? <laughs> but where yeah. I to go? I love beer. Oh, God, I love beer. Oh, is that right? Oh, yes. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, a, I'm kind of a one-trick pony. I drank uh, you know, Budweiser all my life, you know, yeah. until one day someone said, hey, try a switchback. Uh-oh. And now I'm switchback's biggest fan. So I was going to say, I will try anything. When, and, when and did like Budweiser it. become beer? <laughs> I, I, I always say, if you see those Clydesdales, yeah. how big and strong and healthy they are, yeah. you can thank me for that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> some 50 years of drinking Budweiser. You, you paid the dues. Huh? So I, 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 I hope a few of the, uh, and, and Switchback is a, an employee-owned company. Yeah, pretty so, cool, uh, isn't it? Know, so I, I, I imagine a few of those people are driving Lexuses, thanks to me, because I buy my Switchback <laughs> every week. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, you expect they would drive these little electric cars. Well, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Let's see. You're on the air, by the way. Uh, your first name in town. Okay. My name's Laurel, and I'm from Worcester. live in Worcester. Yeah. And I uh, love the show, love the show. <laughs> and, um, okay, we've got a question about weeds. Okay. And uh, so hopefully you can help me out. There is this one kind of weed that has just taken over the lawn, but it also encroaches all over my garden with every chance it gets. And the leaves are like feathers. They're like long, they're not long, they're small. It's a small, short weed usually. Mm-hmm. Kind of low to the ground, but it's a creeper that, but the, 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 um, the, the, as I said, the leaves are sort of shaped like feathers. Oh my. And it has a thin, so these are short feathers, you know, just like two yeah. or three inch, yeah. you know, long. And the, the, um, root is very thin and, but long, and it strings itself out, stretches, and pops off little, mm-hmm. little, um, mm-hmm. bunches every chance it gets along the way. What was that one we were so just one talking day that about? You knew what it was and how I could get rid of it for good, besides weeding all the time. Weeding all the time, yeah. Um, we were talking about this a couple of shows ago, Joel. You remember the, um, Oh boy, it was, uh, hey something, hey, um, uh, come on. Uh-huh. It'll come back to me. Um, and, uh, but you're right, it's hard to get rid of and, uh, it has that long string root. You know, it's not, it's a, it looks like a filament of a fishing line. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, 
so the first thing you want to do is you want to um, check your your soil pH. That is uh, it's a it's an acid loving plant, and so um, the second thing is is if you pull it and uh, and uh, uh, dry it. You know, it can. I don't know if you have animals or not. Um, any no. any hay eating animals, but the uh, it can be used as a fodder. Like, um, oh. um, and then what was the other one? The seeds of it can be used as a coffee substitute. And huh. what else was it? Was a f- uh, you can't remember either. Yeah, though. I think they're the vetch. Uh, it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I can look up my notes later uh, before because it, it's um, it uh, is not an inv- invasive, but it certainly is pernicious. And uh, the first thing to do, though, is you want to check your pH because probably your uh, soil is really acidic. And th- if you raise the pH, you know, to a little sweeter. Um, um, level, then, you know, it more than likely will set it back. Um, let's see. It's in your garden as well, or? Yes, it will. Well, it tries to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you keep beating it back, though. <laughs> I keep cleaning and pulling it back. Yeah. Well, they, they say you can eat it, but I, I haven't. Uh, I tried it the other day, and it did not seem like a, a delicious um, food to me. But um, let's see. Um, we have, got me on that one. It's, it's here. Oh, Laurel, I'll, I'll I'll find it. I'll find it. Okay. But um, that's that's where I would start. Now, in your lawn, um, it's it crowds out the regular old grass, right? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. it does. So again, uh you know, get uh, get some dolomite lime or some regular um, you know, agricultural lime and lime your your lawn real good and that will help okay. to set it back because it's uh, acid loving. Okay. And uh and then and I just I wouldn't want to put the lime in my garden, right? Well, that's what I'm saying is you maybe that your garden is is a little too acidic. So, and then of course, what I do in my garden, I have the permanent beds, and then I have a permanent pathway, more or less. I put down landscape cloth between them, and then put a bark on top, so that anything like that has a hard time uh, creeping in and out. And then I go out two feet beyond where my garden is and do the same thing: the landscape cloth down, and then the bark on top of that, and that helps to, you know. Uh, keep it out of your garden because once it, it'll start to creep in under the bark, but it really pulls up easily through bark, you know. And oh, okay. I, f- I find that the the prevention is is the best medicine that way, and then of course just uh, uh, just suffocating it, getting you know getting to um, you know not giving it any sun or uh, sunlight is is a good way to stop it. And if okay. you if you do those two things, you know the lime and then and then some sort of a, 
uh, mulch, you know, or the combination. I like the landscape cloth and the and the bark, but you know, any kind of a mulch that you decide on. Uh, some people like yeah. to use cardboard or you know, even even brown paper bags or that kind of thing to to make a mulch. But I had the best luck with a combination of the landscape cloth. I can cut it right to the size of my. Uh, my paths, I, I usually do two foot paths, uh, but my upper garden, they're only 18 inches, so a little narrow. So I cut the strips, you know, use the staples and hold them down and then put a big layer of bark right on top of it. So if you do that right on the outside of the garden, then that prevents mm-hmm. what's creeping in and that'll also help any other stray buggies that are out there in the, in the perimeters. Right. And then, okay. you, yeah. And you also find, you know, you have to remember that that uh, every time a weed outside of your garden grows up, it broadcasts uh, weed seeds into your garden. So mm-hmm. the more inhospitable you can make those rows between your beds or the rows <laughs> between your, the better, because right. you know it's just broadcasting weed seed. They, the, as an estimate, in a square foot, there are thousands of weed seeds and. And uh, uh, just getting ready for the chance to grow. So, anyway, those try those two things and see if if that'll help. And um, and I'll I'll get that name wrong. It's, it's I'm cheating. I'm going through the uh, UVM list of Vermont invasive uh-huh. species. Yeah. Was it the knotwood? Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's that bamboo. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's yeah. in that uh, white flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barberry is another one. But, uh, yeah, we haven't talked about that. I nope, nope. We haven't talked about that one. But we, <laughs> the poison sumac is what I, I'm coming up with. But I, because uh, somebody called about that. Well, the good news is that uh, the Vermont Extension Service has a big list of invasive species. The bad news is that it's a big list <laughs> of invasive <laughs> species. So. Well, it's pictures? it's funny because, yes. um, you know, as I was talking about the um, uh, the lamb's quarters, I don't know if you heard me talking about that, Laurel, but um, it, it was a weed in my garden in one of the beds that I had uh, that sort of got away from me. And uh, even though it's a weed, right, the lamb's quarters, you can buy it, at, you know, at like $15 a pound, uh, and it's called magenta spreen. <laughs> they give it a fancy name, and uh, they sell the seeds, but really it's just a weed. Uh, but this is, happens to be a very edible weed that is is quite delicious, and, and we've all gotten fond of it, but... I just noticed that it had been, you know, riddled with um, the leaf miners. So even when your weeds, mm. <laughs> you know, in your garden, <laughs> you know, can can have problems. So we'll have to right, find out sure. what what the problem is. That yeah. uh, we yeah. did talk about the wild parsnip, but yeah, it's I not know, the wild parsnip. But it's not that. And those are still really identifiable, yeah. not really feathery. But boy, yeah, they're everywhere now. Right. I've noticed those. Well, the name is on the tip of my tongue, but it'll come to you. Well, and I do have purslane. You know, has oh, yeah. in my garden somewhat. Yeah. But I understand that that is actually 
very healthy. Very edible and very healthy, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it it has a text. go in certain sections. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not quite as pernicious as this other one, though. The purslane tends to be just sort of like a big clump. And, uh, and you can, you can, uh, easily pull that up. But if you, uh, I've thrown that in my, uh, uh, salads every, every once in a while if I get a nice yeah. big head of it. And, uh. That's what I do. Oh, yeah, you do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds, yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. it, it's not a strong flavor. I don't, at least I didn't think mm-hmm. so. No. No. I'm just, Trusting that it's healthy. <laughs> That's what I, well, I read that my good. mom said greens are good for you, and that was enough for me. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. All right, Laura, I appreciate the call in, and uh, yeah. I'm going to keep looking for that name because it's, now it's driving right. me nuts. <laughs> it's a short trip too. Um, okay. Okay. Like so many, uh, so many things we call weeds are actually, uh, just plants out of place. So. Right. Mm -hmm. But give that, uh, (laughs) give that a try and, uh, let me know how that works. Uh, Okie doke. Thank you. Yeah. I always say that if, uh, you know, if Murphy's Law really is true. Yeah. One year I'm just going to plant, you know, all these hogwoods and, and wild parts. I'm going to plant nothing but weeds and then go out in the backyard without doing anything yeah. and suddenly see broccoli and tomatoes. tomatoes. Because I plant broccoli and tomatoes and then end up with mostly weeds. So, I mean, you know, you got to try the, re- try, try the, the reverse psychology inverse, here. Yes, right. I'm going to plant weeds. And uh, with Peter, we now have Jeff in New Haven. How are you, Jeff? Doing well. How about you? Good, good, good. Talking to a fellow beer lover. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go bend an elbow somewhere, okay? Yeah, all right. I just put a small pack of Heineken where they should be, and I want to put them in a grave. Uh, isn't life good? <laughs> yeah, well, a couple beers into it, yeah, it starts to get better. Uh, I have a question for you pertaining to... Brussels sprouts. I have attempted them years back and failed. I wound up with with just hollow bulbs. I want to know what the procedure during the growth of this plant is to ensure solid Brussels sprouts. Do you have an answer to that? Well, there's a a couple of factors. Um, One, uh, uh, let's see, we'll start at the beginning. Uh, uh, Brussels sprouts is a long season. I usually plant them before the last frost and don't pick them until November. So they run 100, 120 days, so they need a long season. And and they're also very heavy feeders, and you have to check your, um, you know, check your soil, make sure you've got a um, uh, plenty of of all of the not only nutrients, the NPK, but also the micronutrients like uh, sulfur is especially important to all the cold plants. Um, the other thing, of course, is just the general soil. You know, you want to make sure you got a good. Good soil. Uh, well, and we're in Hazard County. We have some 
topsoil mixed with our famous clay down here. Yeah, yeah. So um, with the, with your famous clay, you want to put a little famous vermiculite to lighten it up so that the um, the clay, more than anything, doesn't let enough air into the roots to... Would sphagnum help? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sphagnum peat moss. And, but I, yeah, I particularly well. like um, uh, you putting a little vermiculite in because it, uh, it lightens it up as well as uh, it holds a lot of moisture. Uh, like all cabbage plants, and they need a regular watering routine most once a week. And I know we, we don't even want to talk about watering right now, but, <laughs> but they'll, there will come a day, uh, soon sometime in August when you'll need to, to, uh, to, to do that. And then, um, the, uh, the other thing that I do is right about, um, right about, uh, mid to late August, I cut the top of them right off. Um, you know, there's like a, looks like a little mini cabbage at the top with the leaves yeah. all sort of curled up and you, you cut the top right off. And what that does is that, that puts all the energy into the buds down below rather than creating more plant and all the rest. So it's it's kind of the opposite of what you would do with the tomato plant where you you cut the leaves from the bottom up. This one you cut the top right off. And um so the you know the soil lightening up the soil, make sure you got good fertile soil and plenty of compost and and uh, a good well-rounded uh, granular fertilizer, a slow release, and then you can even uh, do a foliar spray of um, the fish emulsion, which they they appreciate sure. that. But when you cut that top off, it's going to uh, really encourage those the buds down below, the sprouts, to uh, thicken up, and and you'll find that you have a. Uh, you know, my Brussels sprouts will be almost the size of my palm. You know, they're nice and big like that. And so, um, then again, they're, they're just as susceptible to the cabbage uh, worm as all the rest of the coal family. Uh, so you want to include them in your spray routine so that the, the little, the worms don't get in there and start to eat your cabbages, the little mini cabbages. Can we back up just a little bit here? Yeah, sure. Um, upon planting, yeah, we were talking about time release, time release uh, fertilizer. I use the pelletized avocado. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. there's there's a little bit in every plant that I put in the garden this year. I yeah. add, you know, a little bit of that down there just to give them a little head start. Sure. You know? Yeah, uh, any well-rounded. I prefer the the organic uh, types like the ProGrow and that type of thing. But um, the the thing that you have to realize about your uh, slow release and your uh, your ProGrow and all those is they're they're slow to break down. You know, so you need to to you know fertilize them every so often so there's a continuous release of nutrients into the soil. And that is in contrast for something like a foliar spray of a fish um, fertilizer. That's uh, almost an instantaneous fertilizer. And that that gives the plants a boost, um, uh, you know, just when you're, when you're spraying it. So okay. a little combination there of the slow release and the quick release is... And what's uh, the name of this product again? Um, 
the the fifth fertilizer it's it's a liquid and it's just uh, there's a bunch of different brand names uh bone like get it like an agway or something oh like yeah that. oh yeah they get shelves of it and they'll you'll see uh, you'll look at it and you say well do i want the fish with the seaweed or do i want the sea the the the, the one that doesn't have the fish smell or do i want the anyway any one of the fish fertilizers will work fine and uh, that's that's a a spray but you want to, um, like I said, you want to make sure that, you know, the uh, cabbage worm is not eating up the, uh, because that will set them back and, and discourage them a little bit. But Okay. So I also heard yeah. from a neighbor yeah. that as your bulbs start to develop, yeah. you cut the leaf off underneath it. Is that true or no? The leaf underneath it. I've never done that. Uh, I, it, it certainly can't hurt anything. It's, it's the same, same idea as what you're trying to do is encourage the plant to put its energy it's into energy the, energy into the bulbs. Yeah. Um, I, it's worth a try and there's no harm in doing it. So why not? But for me, I, it's the, the top lop that, that was important. It seemed to really produce yeah. a nice, uh, and remember yeah, that with some of the tomato plants too. I'll just, I don't want them to get, you know, yeah. four feet tall. I want them to stay down a little bit and put the well, energies out see, into a bush as opposed to a tree. Yeah. Well, the tomatoes are a little different. If you really want a four foot tomato, then you, what you need is a uh, bush type tomato. Yeah. Um, the indeterminates will grow six, eight feet at least. Oh, God, really? Yeah. And the important thing with that one is to take all the bottom leaves and leave just the leaf cluster at the top because the top is what actually feeds the plant. And some, some people will say, well, gee, the bottom leaves on my tato, my tomato plants are turning uh, yellow. And and uh, the the reason they're turning yellow is the leaf, is that the, the plant no longer needs those leaves. And it's it's making a callus between the stem and the and the um, between the main stem and the stem of the leaf set there. It's putting a callus there because it's intending to drop them off. So when you're uh, when you're pruning your tomatoes, you want to cut everything up to your first flower, and then each time it flowers, you want to cut all the leaves off, stems off. I mean, uh, up to that flower, and then you just keep going up. So um, even though it does wow, make really, thin it, really thins it out, huh? really thins it out, and it also helps to prevent problems uh, with with the blight, both the late blight and the early blight. Uh, you're less likely to get blight on the leaves because the, there's a lot more air flowing through, and then it encourages the plant to uh, to feed the tomatoes. So, um, so we went from uh, tomatoes from Brussels sprouts to tomatoes. But <laughs> I have another weed question too, but I'd like to send a picture of this thing. Uh, yeah. Well, just post uh, post it on the um, uh, WDEV Facebook. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll, a look I won't at bother it. you with it. I'll just Google it, figure out what this thing is. But boy, yeah, very prodigious weed. Kind of got like a spade. Uh, is spade it vine? clover mm-hmm. shape. Grows a little flower on the top of it. Is it a vine? Does it have a? No, no, hmm. straight stalk. As once it gets mature, you know, the bottom of the stem, you know, the stem is like. Three eighths of an inch or so, even a half inch. The uh, you break it off, 
Yeah. I like to take roots and everything, but if you accidentally break it, it has a milky texture, a liquid mm-hmm. comes out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the neighbor's wife has problems with that topically. She goes, I'm allergic to it. It makes her break out and stuff. I'm like, well, I'll just let me handle it. I'll do it. Yeah. So, uh, these guys are a menace. Huh. Yeah. Well, I, if you do get a chance, post it on the, uh, DEV, uh, Facebook and, uh, I'll take a look at it. Um, and if you don't, uh, call me back and let me know what it turns out to be. I'm, I'm real curious myself. Yeah. It's, uh, I've, I've seen this weed. That milky texture makes me think it's probably pigweed, but, you know, I've yeah. never heard anybody being, reacting to the milky part well, of the pigweed. Everybody's an individual. We're all different. Oh, yeah. 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 The the uh, the wild parsnip. It, it oh, that one be, I know. You know that one, okay? <laughs> I know that one. All right, buddy. Well, thanks and uh, good luck with your Brussels sprouts. Uh, I sure look forward to mine. <laughs> All right, this is my second call to your program. Hopefully, there'll be a third. Okay, great. Anytime. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, take care. Bye. Okay. You got a call there? What we're doing here. Joel? We have, um, um, I got another caller on the line, but I did some research. Okay, yeah, well, hang on, hang on for a second. Here we go. Well, we'll go right on. I was going to say, is it that staghorn sumac? The we, we talked about that, I yeah. Knock you off the air. Anyway, let's go on the air. We got some more Brussels sprouts, Brussels sprouts to talk about. All right. Too many buttons in here. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> but I think, uh, let's see there. And are we talking Brussels sprouts right now? Yeah. Okay, great. We go from staghorn sumac to Brussels sprouts. Peter, you there? Yep, I'm here. You go right ahead. Okay, yeah, with the Brussels sprouts. I've been having like two or three years. Can't even get them. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I grow them. Yeah. Got to do it, but I mean, you got to prune them, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, okay. The towards growing in the mid to I mean, how many leaves do you? How many leaves do you cut off at a time? Well, once the once the bulbs, once you start to see the the sprouts form, you can take off. Uh, you know the first. Oh, foot or so. You can break all those off down. But at the towards the end of the season, you know, the end of August, when they're when you know they're all done, you don't you won't be able to get any more Brussels sprouts out of them. That's when I lop off the, the top of them. And so you know, by the time they start to mature, I basically it looks like just a bare stalk with bulbs on, with the sprouts on either side. They don't look like much of a plant, but right. that's when they right. really put right. on the put. You know, that's when they put on the beef. They really start to to, to swell up and and give you a nice big Brussels sprout. But uh, when they start grow, I mean, when when you plant them, yeah, and you got a good when. I mean, they're big leaves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, how do you prune them? Do you prune them? Uh, like I said, I don't start actually pruning those side leaves until uh, I see the sprouts form. You should see, you know, a sprout the, like a thumbnail size, you know, maybe half inch, three-quarter inch, 
when you see that, then you can take all uh, take the side shoots right up to where they're that size, and then leave the the ones uh, above that on if they're only just starting. But once they reach you know about a thumbnail size, go ahead and break off those the leaf under or the stem underneath the the sprout. And all you do is you just you basically just snap it off by pushing it down, and it should snap right off. And you have to be careful yeah, when you're cutting like, them. Like, yeah, like I said, I've been trying to grow them for three years. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and no, slowly it tastes good in yep. November. You know, when oh. it's so far. Yeah, let um, me let me just pop in right now. Yeah, wait after a couple ahead, of frosts. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, wait off. Uh, wait for a couple of uh, light frosts. <laughs> then they uh, they are tasty as the dickens. You know, <laughs> are, have you tried that, Peter? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Mm. Yep. And, and what made me laugh is my dad was growing Brussels sprouts out in the farm and. And uh, I went and I tried one. It was bitter. Oh, bitter, bitter. And I said, oh, these are no good. And I rototilled them right into the garden. And my dad was like, what would you do with my brother's pants? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the frost on those. That's right, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Jeez, <them> man. Right <laughs> Why didn't you ask me about it? <laughs> I was lucky because my kids hated the Brussels sprouts. Oh, they yeah. would eat them. Yeah. So I would, I, would, I would feast on them. Yeah, yeah. Know? Yeah, so and I boy... I like Brussels sprouts, but I don't like buying them in the store. Oh, yeah, $9 a pound for Brussels sprouts? Well, yeah, but I like the fresh ones, and I like to try some that's been uh, snow-covered. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep, now you're talking. It's just like carrots. You give them a frost, and they sweeten right up. I I had some good ones last year, and there's three little deer that, well, Joe probably knows this. <laughs> Three little deer. Bambi. Wanted to come and have a fat feast. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, it was, I usually do my first harvest. And actually, my main harvest of Brussels sprouts is is on uh, the day before Thanksgiving because it's sort of a tradition to have the Brussels sprouts on the table for Thanksgiving from the garden. And uh, one year, then you know, just before I was going to pick them, the deer came in overnight and were chomping down on my Brussels sprouts. (laughs) So I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, appreciate hearing uh, you. We actually got a couple more calls, so we should. uh, Okay. Great. Thanks. So good to hear from you. Okay. Take care. Take care now. Yeah. Bye now. Actually, let's hit the. Let's see if I can do this right. Just once. Just once. During the program, where's the drop button? Okay. Okay. You want the first first name of town? But let's go uh, to Jim and Barry. I think I can push that button. All right. Jim, uh, you're on. Hey, Jim. Thank you for my call. I'm I'm not much of a gardener, but we had a little problem in the garden that I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, You may think it's pretty obvious, but our... Radishes were covered with slugs. Oh boy! I just kind of knocked them all off with a rake. But it was funny. There were other plants just right beside it. They weren't on those. They were just all on the. On I the, think they were slugs. That's what they looked like. Yeah, they probably were slugs. Uh, they have a, some slugs have shells on them. The snails, but it's the same thing. Um, uh, the best thing to do right away is to go get some uh, sluggo at uh, at Dagway or Blue Seal. And uh, just just sprinkle it right around your radishes, 
and because that that will prevent them from from eating the um, eating the the roots or even the plants. Um, yeah, they're actually up on the leaves. I yeah, knock them off, but that, yep. that's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, combination of things, um, Jim. Is uh, of course it's been really, really wet, and that of course yeah. an invitation to slugs and and uh, other kinds of pottery mildew and all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, but uh, if you use the sluggo, that that will prevent them from getting on the plant. And once you okay. knock them off. Um, and then the other thing is you want to check your soil acidity. They, if you, um, if your soil is a little on the acid side, uh, that will, uh, that will encourage them. And, uh, and then the other thing you can try if, uh, if you, if you don't like the sluggo is, uh, diatomaceous earth. And what that is, is it's for the, the wet bottom of the slug. It's like a, it's like sharps, you know. It's like gliding over glass for them. So the diatomaceous oh, yeah. earth. But, uh, I've had the best luck with the sluggo. It, it works well and it's easy to put on. It looks like, uh, you know, the pellets you use in your wood stove. Um, All right. Well, very good. Thank you very much. Okay, Jim. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. And then you had another caller? Yeah, last time we were talking about the uh, Nancy and Sluggo cartoons <laughs> after the last program. I went and, uh, okay, let's see. We have um, Nola on one line, and we want to get to Nola, but we also have one more gardening question. That yeah. Specific. Well, Nola might have a gardening question, but let us go to our, what will be our, I guess, final actual gardening call of the day. And uh, good afternoon. You are on the air with Peter Burke. Hello. Oh, Josh, it's me again. Oh. No, on them slugs yeah. and stuff. Yep. Just sprinkle, sprinkle some uh, cinnamon powder cinnamon around. Powder. Oh. And, oh, yeah. And they, they won't come around. I'll be uh-huh. darned. Yeah, no, I've heard that too. Have yeah. you really? Yeah. I, I have to say it's a oh, first. Oh yeah, I, I've done it. Yeah, I got slugs up the Was dinghy. It? Oh boy! Well. Yeah, you could go to the dollar store and they sometimes have like like these you know, four ounce things of cinnamon. Yeah, you know they're no uh, cinnamon powder. Yeah, and it worked real good. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks for reminding all right, thank us. Thank you, Did uh, hear about that? Great. Yeah, you be well now. Okay, and uh, let us see. Let us drop that. Let us drop. Oh, it did work. It did work. Let us drop. It's not that it's new equipment. It's like seven-year-old equipment that I'm still learning how to use. Oh, Joel. Yeah. The good old days where everything was on a 45, and if it was something that had to be spoken, it wasn't recorded. And if it was the phone, you just held it up to the microphone. Oh, really? Those were the good old days. But then again. Is this Nola? It certainly is. Hey, Nola. Hey there. Welcome. Thank you. I have a question and I have an observation. I'll save the observation. So on Monday, I'll be doing knee replacement surgery. Am I excited about it? Yeah. No. No? And Well, no, because it's <laughs> going to slow me down. Um, my garlic. I have a lot of garlic. I have 14 beds. Uh-huh. I in my different gardens. It's not ready today. Yep. It's looking like it'll be ready in probably 10 days to two yep. weeks. Yep. Better to err on the side of holding off than hurry quick to get all before the stupid surgery. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? 
Well, good good luck well, on the surgery. I, I just want to say, you know, our own Tom Beardsley, he's kind of retired, but he reappears for yep. special yeah. functions, and he'll be covering uh, the uh, automobile show, the big auto show that's coming up in August, August yeah. 12th, I think it is. I think he's had a shoulder, both knees, and a hip. He's our bionic man. Yeah. You know, oh. he, he comes <laughs> flying like in on a cape. He doesn't even, you know, <laughs> doesn't need his car anymore. So uh, oh. it all works well. This guy's a thousand percent, so good yeah. luck to you, Dola. I, yeah. Modern technology does work. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, I had a hip replacement, to, well, it was almost two years ago now, and that's, that was a blessing. It was absolutely terrific. Well, thanks for being so positive. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this before. Three of my least favorite words when they're put together mm-hmm. are take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I would actually sort of qualify that a little bit in that do the exercises they tell you to do and do them as religiously as you can possibly. Uh, I found that at one point my hip was bothering me, so I sort of thought, oh, I guess I better take it easy. What I found was I went back out and started to walk again, and it felt better. So, uh, you know, if you do get a little pain, if it's just achy stuff, um, you know, talk to your uh, physical therapists and make sure there's nothing serious, but if it's just a matter of doing a little more exercise, then definitely do it. That made a big difference for me was keeping up on the exercise. Thank you, Doctor. Appreciate it. All right, here's yeah. the observation, and then you can stop the show or hang up me. So lots of gardens here, and one we call the back garden because it yeah. is in the back. can't see it from the house. People would say you're lying. There's nothing back there. Yeah. And I went back there to check on the garlic, which is the primary crop right now, on Wednesday. Yeah. And completely forgetting that there's other things growing there, too, that I had tucked in there last year. Mm-hmm. Two rather healthy, small, perennial rutabecchias, black-eyed Susans, whatever oh, you want to call oh, them. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Oh, what a gift. Oh, really? Probably 40, 50 flowers, yellow, orange, red, brown, <laughs> just blooming away. So oh, wonderful. God bless those perennials. They're, they're such a gift. Yeah, yeah I love no, those. They weren't asking for anything. They were just happy, beautiful flowers. <laughs> and so I'm not going to give you Robert Frost today, and all the people on the radio are going, oh, thank God. No. But I'm going to just give you a little gift from John Denver mm-hmm. and um, say thank you for your program. He sang in his many, many amazing songs, The children and the flowers are my sisters and my brothers. Their laughter and their loveliness will clear a cloudy day, like the music of the mountains and the colors of the rainbow. They're a promise for the future and a blessing for today. How wonderful. Yeah, really. Well, that was great, Nola. Thanks so much. Well and, uh, <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Thanks a lot. You'll, probably, you'll be fine. Yeah, I have black-eyed Susan. Planted them a long time ago, and they seem to come every other year. Is that right? I, I could be wrong on that, but at least I, uh, I have a greater amount every other year, it seems, if huh. there is such a thing. Huh. And uh, that should do it. Yeah, final words, and we'll be back next week. Oh, course. my. There's just so much to, uh, in the garden to uh, to go over. But, you know, call in next week if you have a question, and uh, good luck, and stay safe, and we'll see you in the garden. Mm-hmm.
inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from, from below, below till the rain comes down. Yeah. <laughs> and our program brought to you by the Willie oh, Store. Family owned since 1900 in Greensboro by Poly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all, and they'll get back to you. Getting a lot of calls these days, obviously. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. They are open to serve you. Uh, and Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester, right across from the uh, Spank Puppy there. Top-quality Vermont-grown plant since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Sticksandstuff.com, store locations and hours and uh, special situations for people needing their services during these uh, last couple of turbulent weeks. By PNR Lumber, Route 15 and Walcott Family Mill Lumber for all projects, and they are serving their customers as well. Uh, check out PNR Lumber on Facebook and stop on out. They are fully open and servicing everybody's special needs this time, as we mentioned. And by Guy's Farm and Yard, I recounted four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Check them out at guysfarmandyard.com. Like their uh, bird feeders, their squirrel-proof bird feeders. They've got them all in stock right there. And uh, Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel, dandelionacres.com. They've got special prices on lots of things right now, and they also sponsor our podcast. You can go to wdevradio.com for the podcast. You can go to dandelionacres.com to check them out, but uh, you can head down Route 107 in Bethel and find them as well.